Good evening, Rabbi Sai. It is a pleasure again to see you in a Mishmar evening. A little bit of an unusual time uh, and format for the Shmuz, but uh, appreciate your being here. And it's Parshas Vayechi. And Vayechi, of course, brings us to the end of Parshas Breshis. Uh, Shabbos Chazak is very significant. And uh, there is certainly so much to discuss in Parshas Vayechi. But I was thinking that maybe to pick one point, and maybe when you think about it, and you maybe ask somebody a little bit older, you know, you think back, a person who maybe is whatever, 50s, 60s, 70s, looks back at his life and starts reflecting a little bit about the most significant, most impactful people in his life. And the question is, what would the greatest gift be to give to somebody? You look back at and the people who imp- impacted you, and I know you're too young to do this. I'm just sort of talking for myself right now. And uh, with something to at least, certainly I'm sharing it with you because that's something to think about, is, you know, what, what can you really give somebody that, that really is almost priceless? And I think the real answer, and I think when people look back at their parents and appreciate what they've done and look back at, at Rebbein, what teachers that they've had in their lives, what they've done for them that you can say, my gosh, this person made such a great impact. If you can give a person self-esteem, if you can give a person self-worth, if you can make a person understand how significant they are in terms of what they can accomplish in this world, then really you've given them everything. And that's something that really HaKadosh Baruch Hu took upon himself and said to the Jewish people, I'm not going to wait for other people to do that. I'm going to try to do it for you. And he really did. He, he did it in the most incredible way. He did it from the beginning of, of Bereshis when he told us that we were created with Selim Alekim. He repeated it again and again about the fact that we have an Ashama and, and he blew into us his essence and from the very beginning. And certainly from Shemos on, he, he tells us we, that we are a unique nation of destiny. And that each and every one of us is so important. That we are a Mamlechaz Kohan of Kadosh. And, and throughout the parshos, and certainly in Shemos, and, and certainly in Devarim, but certainly uh, uh, it's true in between as well, the idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us, you are the Amhan Ifchar, you have a very chosen destiny, and you're receiving the Torah, and you're going into Eretz Israel, and your mandate to Mekadosh Shemayim to do the mitzvahs is something that should make you understand how special you are. And despite the, despite the fact that really we shouldn't need any outside influence, we shouldn't need anybody to help us uh, develop self-esteem, for some reason, it's sad to say, for some reason, it doesn't seem to be enough. Maybe it was enough in the olden days, maybe the, the Torah speaking to us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaking to us directly was really enough, but it seems for us, it's not enough. In fact, just to give you a little bit of... Uh, uh, Muster background in terms of the Muslim movement. We know that there are different branches where we saw Slanta started in the mid 1800s. He started the Muslim movement and sort of branched off into different, uh, focuses, different, uh, attitudes in terms of what was the theme of each particular Godol who gave over a Muslim concept, but was certainly from the people who went to Chavetz Chaim who really are rooted into the Sabotka Yeshiva and Sabotka Muser, the Rosh Yeshiva Rabbi Leibowitz, who passed away some years ago, who, learned, who received from his father, David Leibowitz, who founded the Chavetz Chaim Yeshiva, who was a very close Talmud of the Alta Sabatka, who certainly received so much from Simcha Zisel and also, of course, from Yisrael. But the Alter had this vision of what 
this generation, his generation needed, and certainly was continued on uh, the subsequent generations, that to give a ben Torah, to give a young man, to give a young woman a sense of godless Adam, the sense of how special you are, how great you are, how, how much you can do, and how your very essence, your very being, just sort of demands that, that you realize how special you are and that you re- respond to that special quality. For a person to appreciate that, understand that, again, it, it, it's critical, and that's why I guess the altar realized back in the, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, if we can give that, give that young yeshiva bach, or maybe at a time that it wasn't so popular, or maybe it was a time that certainly the world was moving away from Torah, and even the Jewish community to such a great degree was moving away from Torah, and you needed to infuse these young men with the sense of, hey, do you know how special you are? You can do it. You, you're, in, you're in a Kodesh Baruch Hu's army. And your job is to, is to bring Torah and bring Kedusha and bring light into the world. He recognized that that was something that really was very, very critical. And he did it. He devoted his life to that idea. And Godless Adam is something that was the theme of, of uh, the Sabotka Yeshiva and Sabotka Musr. And the truth of the matter is we see it when you look at what you can give to somebody and you can give them that sense of, of your special it makes all the difference in the world, and you see it literally from this week's Parsha. At the very end of Vayechi, we see something that literally impacted a tribe, thousands of, of Jews, for hundreds of years, and literally changed their whole dynamic and their whole destiny. So it's very interesting. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says at the very end when you know, Yaakov passes away, and we know there's an entire entourage of, of, uh, of people who go to Territ Yisrael, back from Mitzrayim and Territ Yisrael, because he obviously made Yosef swear at the beginning of the parsha that you have to bury me in Mitzrayim. And what does Rebbe Bechayi say? So it says that they, they, Vayasu ban of lo kasher, kein kasher tzivam. The children did what their father commanded them to do. And Yaakov was extremely specific as to how he wanted to be carried to Eretz Yisrael. You think it would matter, but it, it obviously matters. Every little nuance, even in death, of how Klai Yisrael does what they needed to do was critical. And maybe he wasn't really thinking so much about himself. Maybe he was trying to give a message over to the Jewish people. But he set them up in formations. And he said, who's going to be on my right and who's going to be on my left? Who's going to be in front of me? Who's going to be behind me? And he had the 12 Shvatim set up exactly the way they would carry the, they would carry themselves in, and march in the order that they did in, in the, uh, in the Midbar. So that was already set up prior by Yaakov Avinu. He had Yehudi Yisach and Zvulin, Ruven Shimon and God, Ephraim Menashe Benyamin, Don Arshin Aftali. He says to Yosef, no, you don't carry me. You're a Melech and you don't carry me. And he says to Levi, Al Yitoim. Levi, you don't carry me either. This is no, it's not acceptable for you to not to carry me. You cannot carry me. But Levi certainly wanted to. Levi was a was a was a loving son. And he certainly wanted to be part of that mitzvah, but he said no. He says, You have a destiny of carrying the Aron of Akkadish Baruch. You're going to carry the Aron, the Aron Akodesh. That's going to be your de- Aron, the uh, Shavit Levi. And we know Shavit Levi produced the Kohanim. They produced the Levim, and together they, it was their job to take care of the holy artifacts and the, the, uh, the Kedusha that needed to be uh, taken care of in the, in the Mishkan. So you're going to carry the Oren Shel Melech, the Oren Shel Makom, the Oren of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
The Eina Bedin Sheyiton Arona Shalmeis. It's not fitting. Levi, no. You have a certain destiny, and that destiny demands dignity. That dignity demands you're not going to carry me. I'll be dead, and you cannot carry me. What's fascinating about this particular Rabbeinu B'chai who quotes the Chazal is that this Chazal had unbelievable ramifications. Because as you know, as we are told by Rashi, the, the Golos started here. It started now. With Yaakov's death, that's when things started to really turn for the Jewish people, and it became quite negative, and things were moving. And how did it turn negative? What was the process by which it turned negative? The Gemara tells us, the, the Mepharshim say, that Paro recognized that there was a Jewish problem. He needed to come up with a Jewish solution. The solution was, we have to find a way to enslave these people, to not allow them to override us and overwhelm us and to defeat us. So what did he do? He came, came up with a great deal. The deal was, Jews, I have an idea. We're going to build these incredible pyramids. We're going to build these cities. Peace, I'm and we're going to we're going to, to have a lot of wealth and a lot of opulence, and we're going to give you part, a percentage of the, of the operation. We're going to let you cut you in on the take a little bit. So this is a good real estate uh, venture. The Jewish people were given an opportunity, signed on the started line. You will now serve Paro and be part of his workforce. And uh, for that, we will, we will uh, certainly uh, accommodate you and, and uh, give you proper compensation. Sounds like a good deal. We work. I mean, is that really what you want to build? You want to build these sort of decadent places where certainly Paro and Mitzrayim were not known for their high uh, elevated status of Kedusha. These were not places that would really be uh, activities that the Jewish people should be proud of, but they signed, except for one shavit. And Paro comes to Shevet Levi and says, you know, we got everybody on board. Everyone signed. And we know what happened. It started as a sweet deal, but slowly but surely sweet deals can turn sour. And eventually they became slaves. And we know the whole story. And we know that the, the incredibly difficult servitude that the Klayashol was in for, uh, for 210 years. So Paro comes to Levi and he says, Levi, hey, what's going on here? You didn't sign. I see every other Shevet signed up. Where are you? And it was, it was almost 200 years later. And Shevet Levi says to Paro, Paro, you want me to be part of your undertaking of building these cities, building these pyramids, being involved with your decadence? For what? For money? Do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm destined to carry the Caleb of the Mishkan? Do you know that I'm destined to carry the Ornakodesh? How do I know? Because, because my grandfather, my great-grandfather told my grandfather, Yaakov Avinu, told Levi, you can't carry my Aron. And if I can't carry, and if we can't carry his Aron, for sure we can't involve ourselves and, and dirty our hands with this kind of decadent involvement. I can't do it. Can't do it. I'm, it's beneath me. And that message, amazingly, gave Shevet Levi, and we know how Levi stood up, we know how Levi stood up by the eagle. We know Shevet Levi has, was, was one of the champions of being with Moshe Rabbeinu and defending Moshe Rabbeinu. They were involved with so much greatness and so much, so much uh, contribution to Klai Yisrael. And we know they, uh, they became the Kohanim, they became the, the Levim that served in the, in the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash. 
So here Yaakov gives a little bit of a thought. He puts in a little bit, a little bit of an idea into, into Levi's head. And I, he certainly tried to do it as well to the other Shvatim, but I guess somehow that special quality prevented Levi from doing something that's beneath him. Rabbi said, if we understood who we were, if somehow if we got this message, and that's really the jobs, and we, we try, and, uh, our, we try, your parents try, you know, uh, the Torah tries, like, who certainly does this on a regular basis, we just read through the Torah, we know how special we are. But there is no greater motivator than no understanding how special we are to not sully our hands with decadence. And unfortunately, it, it's all around us. We know with every little press of the button, you pick up a phone and you touch this, you touch that, and decadence is right around the corner. And what's going to prevent? When you think about it, it's, it's so frightening. I know <laughs> maybe the seniors already are start thinking, you know, how it's going to be what, five years? We know how fast four years went by. You're, you're, you're on your way out almost. You're halfway through. It's amazing how we're almost at the, at the halfway mark of the year. It seems like yesterday we just started. And the time flies very quickly. It's not going to be... That long from now that you're going to be thinking about, oh my gosh, how am I going to raise this little boy? I got a bris. I'm celebrating a bris of my little child. And, 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 and how am I going to raise him in this crazy world? I know the crazy world that, I'm, that I grew up in. And now it's going to be five years from now, eight years from now. It's not going to be crazier. We hope not. But we certainly, it certainly looks that way. Sheikh's got to come real fast because it's getting crazier by the minute. How are you going to prevent a young man? How are you going to prevent ourselves from falling into that trap? How do, you, how do you have that opportunity? Because we have technology all around us. We're now almost reliant on technology to be able to, to do the things that we do, especially in this COVID craziness. This is sort of the way we communicate. And yes, we see that te- te- technology can be so, so, so much of a factor in the, in the growth of Torah and having people listen to Shura and so many places where you can literally access so much beauty and so much Kedusha. But at the same time, we know that you can access something very different. And how do you say no to it? How do you say no to these temptations that are flying at us at 100 miles an hour from every direction? The TikToks and the this and the, and the Instagrams and, 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 the, and the, all the other craziness and, and that probably even pales into, to compare to some other things that are out there. And how do you just say, how do you turn away? The boys say, this is the answer how you turn away. We can think about, yes, the punishments and the, and the halachas and all that is legitimate and all that is powerful. But the most powerful point, I believe, is simply, I can't go there. Do you know who I am? Do you know what my destiny is? I'm a member of Klai Yisrael. And while Shevet Levi and the Kohanim certainly had their unique destiny, but every member of Klai Yisrael has that special quality. And if we, if we were lived with it and knew it and, and felt it on a regular basis when temptation comes by, when the eight Tsarist starts, starts rearing its ugly head and starts telling us all these little, eh, it's not so bad, it's okay, no one's looking, and all, all the other arguments that the eight Tsar comes up with, some of them could be pretty compelling. The most compelling answer is no. I'm not going there. It's not me. I can't, I can't sully my hands. I can't build your decadent pyramids. And I can't destroy my neshama by being involved in, in, in Averis that are totally beneath who I am. Because I'm special. I'm unique. I always say, this is what we have to work on. This is how we have to develop in our own neshamas, that view of how we, how we see ourselves. And that's why communication, that's why certainly, as we've said many times, if you, when, when Rebbeim and educators go to hear different you know, types of workshops, certainly that's one of the most powerful things that we hear all the time. 
that, that building people up and building Tamidim up and giving a Tamid a sense of confidence, a sense of purpose, a sense that you're, you're good, you're valued, you're significant. And it doesn't really matter. The, the, the incredible rush in Vayikra talks about the fact that that's why Kadesh Baruch Hu gave us karbanos. And even though we don't have karbanos, he gave us tshuva. He gave us every single day we say slachlanu. Every single day we say ahashivenu. Because we have the ability just by turning to Kadesh Baruch Hu and saying, I'm sorry. We can feel that sense of cleanliness about us. Because if we do averis and we do other averis and we somehow we build that and put that mud over us, chas v'shalom, in terms of, the, of, of what that does to us. We couldn't cleanse ourselves. The Rush says this explicitly. That's why Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us carbonos. Because if we didn't have carbonos and we'd walk around feeling muddy and dirty, we'd have no reason not to do more of Ares. What's the point? Uh, I'm dirty already. I've got, I've got dirty clothes on. So what's the point of uh, There's a little bit more dirt. If you look in the mirror and you see you have a pristine, beautiful suit, a, brand, a, a fantastic a brand new tie, a clean shirt, you're not going to let some kid come over with chocolate hands and and then and, and uh, ask you to pick them up. You're going to say, "I'm sorry, I can't. I can't do that. Not, not now. Look at me. I'm dressed. I'm special. That specialness, Rabbi, says something that we have to feel. We have to work on. And it really, yes, should parents and rebbeim and teachers and everywhere in the community should we be f- infusing you with this feeling from the, almost the day you were born? Absolutely, absolutely. Did we always do it? Does it somehow always get in? I don't know. I mean, I, I think most people try, and I think most parents try, but it's, it's tough, it's challenging, because most educators will tell you self-esteem, Rabbi side, just the, the, the simple truth, and we're not you know, uh, uh, blowing things up, and, and, and it's not hyperbola, it's not exaggeration, this is the absolute truth. There is not one amazing June Kleisel that doesn't have such incredible power and potential. And certainly all of you, Baruch Hashem, learning, learning every day in, in, in Valley Torah and giving it your all and, and working and just growing and being part of the Jewish community. How incredible is that in today's world? And if we don't feel anything but pride, then we're being misguided. We're not, we're not connected properly to the truth. And we have to feel that way. Because I know self-esteem in today's world is one of the, those, it's a rare commodity. And it's our job to, to instill it in ourselves, to hear the messages from other people. And we have to hear it. Because sometimes we try, but somehow if, it, if our ears are not open, and we're getting that support, we're getting that, uh, that boost, and we're having all of that, th- those people around us who really believe in us, but it's somehow we're, not, we're blocking it out, and somehow we maybe would rather believe that we're not so valuable and not so important and not so great and, don't, and, and, and aren't, aren't destined for... To make great contributions to Klai Yisrael, maybe we like to block it out because it's, it's easier not to hear it. But there's an amazing story. This was a very popular story maybe, I don't know, some 10 years ago, went around the circuit. It's actually not a story about a Jewish kid. It was a story about a, a, a secular kid, but the message is just as profound. It doesn't really matter. So it's really a great, great story because it shows you what it takes to turn a kid around. And let's call this kid Gary. I think that was his name. And Gary was literally one of those troublemakers who was the worst kid in the school. And basically, the principal always met with Gary. It was like a regular meeting almost every day. <coughs> Suspensions, threats, and you name it. Gary was the number one <coughs> troublemaker in the entire school. Maybe he was in fifth grade at the time, sixth grade. And one day, it was about uh, March... <coughs> in the year, it was, you know, towards, uh, towards the end of the year, 
Gary gets called into the principal's office. He spent some time there, goes home, comes back the next morning, and from that next morning on, Gary became a superstar, an incredible, absolute superstar, to the point where eight straight A's, behaving perfectly. He literally became like the best kid in the school from being the worst kid in the school. And they came to the teachers' meetings at the end of the year, and all the teachers asked the principal, we'll call him Mr. Williams, okay, what did you say to Gary? Because we, we noticed that day we sent him to you, and he came back and the next day, and he became a different kid. What did you say to him? What magical words turned this, this kid around? And Mr. Williams said, you know, I don't, I don't really remember. <laughs> I don't think I told him anything special. It was one of those typical uh, Gary meetings. Can't be. We got to go to Gary. We got to find out. So sure enough to go to Gary. At this point, there, Gary is straight A's, on a roll, you name it, perfect kid, does, never misbehaves. And says, Gary, from March till June, you became this, you totally, you turned yourself around. What happened? What happened in that office? It seemed that that time in the office was the difference. And he says, you know, it, it really wasn't uh, very different except for one thing, he said. What, what turned it around is that I was sitting in the office and I was waiting to sort of be scolded again by Mr. Williams and he's going to tell me how I have to improve, which I've heard about a thousand times before. And all of a sudden, the intercom in, in Mr. Williams' office went off and the secretary says, Mr. Williams... Um, one of the board members, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Petrie, decided to, uh, is, is calling and needs to speak to you. And I'll never forget that the principal answered the secretary and says, please tell her I'm talking to somebody very special. I'll have to call her back. And as I was walking home, I, those words started to resonate in my mind. Talking to somebody very special, that's me. That's me. That's Gary, the troublemaker. That's Gary, the, the uh, F student. That's Gary, the kid who's always suspended. I'm talking to somebody very special. I'm very special. And it started reverberating and resonating and being internalized. And from that point on, Gary said, you know, if I'm special, I, I, I got to be special. I got to act special. I got to do what special people do. And that that, that change of that paradigm shift of how he saw himself or how he thought other people saw himself, how other people looked at him. And he thought that, eh, what's Gary? You're nothing. You're this. You're that. What do you mean? The principal thinks I'm, I'm very special? I got to act that way. Rabbi Sight, we don't need principals to tell us. It's nice to hear it from a principal and Bez Hashem, you know how special you are. And we remind you, Bez Hashem, hopefully, maybe, we, we, we certainly try to do it as much as we can to tell you how, how special all of you are. But really, do we need a principal to tell us? Do we need a parent to tell us? When HaKadosh Baruch Hu, B'chvod Atzmo, the great creator of this world, of this universe, has told us unequivocally that as we are the members of the Jewish people, we are the Mamleches, Kohanim, Vagai Kadosh, and our destiny is linked with, with literally the eternity of why this whole world was created, this whole universe was created, and that's about us, that's about what we do, and how our actions matter, how each and every one of us is so beloved to HaKadosh Baruch we are God's children. Do we really, again, we should hear it from other people as well, but at the end of the day, 
when we look at the truth, we look at who we are, we don't need any outside forces because we we've been told by the greatest power in the world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'chvodav Atzmo, how special we are. When, the, when that Yetzirah rears its ugly little head, or somebody sort of tries to sell us short, somebody tries to give us an enticing package, an enticing deal that might force us to sort of lower who we are and get our hands a little bit too dirty for what a Jew is supposed to be doing, we, we know the answer. I can't go there. That's not who I am. I'm part of Klai Yisrael. And my destiny is for greatness, and therefore I can't, I can't dirty my hands by building your pyramids. So Bez Hashem, if we can take this message to heart, to realize who we are, how great we are, how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves us, and His love has been so evident because we're still here after all of this incredibly long and horrible gullus, we are here, and we're kicking, and we're strong, and we're fighting, and we're in the game, very much so. And we're making a difference, we're doing mitzvahs, so we're learning Torah. We're, we're, we're not worth it. We're going to listen to some Yetzirah instead of listening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Bez Hashem, let's really get this message. Let's internalize it. Let's do what Shevet Levi did. When, Baruch, when Moshe Benu came back from, from the mountain and he broke the luchos because of the Chet Egel, the sin of the Egel, and he said, Mila Hashem Eloi. He said those incredible words. Who's ready to stand up and to fight the, for the honor of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Shevet Levi answered that call. And we in today's world have to answer that same call. Because that is what Akash Baruch Hu is asking all of us. Me, Hashem, Eloi. In this crazy world, it's clear that we have two choices. We can join with Akash Baruch Hu and do his mitzvahs and bring Kiddush Hashem into the world. We can choose, just look outside. We can choose a whole other way. That's not who we are. Bez Hashem, if we get this message, we internalize it, Bez Hashem, we'll be able to do what we need to do. And that's Chus will be Zohar to see the end of all the challenges with the Biyas and Meshach and Have a good night.